Now getting you set for everything Cardinals. His second game as a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mack. You're out there. On 101 ESPN. Away we go with another edition of the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin of Fox Sports Midwest. Welcome into Jupiter, Florida, spring training home of the Cardinals. Great show lined up for you, a show that includes Cardinals and Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Tim McCarver. A visit with Brian Finch, who heads up the Cardinals Museum and the Cardinals Hall of Fame. The current Hall of Fame ballot that became live yesterday at Cardinals.com. And we'll get into that. Also, Rick Ankiel has become a coach of sorts for the Redbirds here in spring. He's here in Jupiter, helping both the pitchers and the hitters. He's one of the most unique coaches in this camp. He'll also be an analyst on Fox Sports Midwest. We'll visit with Rick Ankiel. Okay, so who is making noise here in camp? First and foremost, Dylan Carlson. Line drive into center off the bat of Dylan Carlson, and he drives in his first here in 2020, and it makes it a 2-0 St. Louis lead. A bullet. All he has done is hit. At one point, he reached base in eight straight plate appearances. The battle for the outfield has been a good one. Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Lane Thomas, all have been impressive at times. And so has Paul DeYoung, off to a great start. That is hammered. Deep left field, and DeYoung has gone deep again. That's three. And this one... A two-run homer, and he crushed it out to left field. Who will hit behind Paul Goldschmidt? And the Cardinals are trying to figure that out and their lineup as a whole as we go along. The bench, an intriguing question. The Cardinals lose Jairo Munoz over the weekend. He popped a hamstring. However, Ron Hel Ravello has been hitting just fine and showing that he can play more than just first base. Ravello, Edmundo Sosa, and a few others have shown that they belong. However, the story here is Dylan Carlson. Off to a fantastic start, and he's gotten the attention of everyone in camp. Brian Walton covers the Cardinals minor leagues on thecardinalnation.com. Well, I, I, I tweeted out just the headshot, the official headshot uh, from media day of Dylan Carlson year to year. And, you know, he's going a little beard. You can see he's filling out more as a man. But, you know, in terms of his approach to the plate, he's still showing that, that discipline. Obviously a switch hitter. Um, does everything well. It's sort of like, you know, Dylan Carlson is one of those guys that, you know, he's not going to be a a 35 or 40 home run hitter in the major leagues. He's not going to steal 40 bases, but he just does everything so well. And, you know, the challenge now is to still, in my opinion at least, let Dylan Carlson be Dylan Carlson. He's a guy with 18 games of experience at AAA. You know, the expectations are that he's not going to make the team. He shouldn't be considered the guy who's going to be the savior of a Cardinals offense that didn't add any thump and, and lost Marcelo Zuna. I just think that's unfair to Dylan Carlson. So while you know, everybody's rooting for Dylan Carlson. I just, I'm hoping the expectations aren't be set, being set too high. And certainly, he's not going to let it get to his head. He's as as level-headed as any young man his age I've ever seen. How about Nolan Gorman? What have you seen from him? Nolan Gorman's, you know, showed some good reflexes at third base. Uh, he's taken good at bats. He hasn't, you know, his challenge last year was uh, was uh, too many strikeouts on balls away down the zone. Something we've seen among a number of Cardinals hitters as well. And, you know, Nolan Gorman, again, realized, you know, he's never played a game at double-A, let alone triple-A. So for him to be starting major league games in camp, you know, is just a reminder of his status as one of the top power hitters in, in top power hitting prospects in baseball. So, again, you know, Gorman's not a guy who's going to be ready in 2020, but 
you know, there's no reason why he couldn't go to double A and have the kind of year that, that Dylan Carlson had last year. I think he has that capability. One of the players that has impressed a lot of folks in this camp, and it's early, Edmundo Sosa. And as it pertains to the 26th man on the roster, very interesting what he could do to to break camp and go north with the club. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that Edmundo, so Edmundo Sosa has made his reputation. He's been in the system for years. He's been a top prospect. He's been on our prospect list. I forget now, uh, five or no, six years. This is his sixth year on our on our prospect list. So, you know, he progressed through the system. He's always been a strong defensive player, was a shortstop, still is a shortstop primarily, but he's also played other positions as the Cardinals have got him ready for the major leagues. Uh, through a unique situation called fourth minor league option, and it has to do with his age and, and when he uh, joined the Cardinals, um, Sosa could actually have a fourth option year this year. So, he could t- technically be sent to Memphis, but the way he's playing here in the first game, we saw a line drive. Sosa's going to make this decision very interesting. In my assessment, when the Cardinals signed Brad Miller a few weeks ago, that hurt the chances of Sosa and Munoz to make the roster because you look at Tommy Edmond, he's set. They're going to have a fourth outfielder. They're going to have a third, uh, second catcher. So the question is, who's that last man? Is it an outfielder like Rangel Ravello, who does not have minor league options? Could it be Sosa? Could it be Munoz? Could it be Austin Bean? Could it be Andrew Kisner, the third catcher? It's going to be really interesting to watch how that comes down to the final weeks of camp. And I'm sure if we asked Mike Schilt today, he'd say, yeah, all those guys are possibilities. How do you think this has made this a really delicate and difficult camp for Mike Schilt and Ali Marmol to kind of navigate through the waters of this? The problem is normally about after, what, the first week or 10 days of, of games, guys get sent out to minor league camp. The problem is minor league pitchers and catchers don't report until the ninth and position players don't report two more weeks from now until minor league pitchers and catchers report. And the first games aren't until for another week until the 18th. So, you know, uh, a week before a week or 10 days before the Cardinals are ready to pack up and, and leave Jupiter, a week actually, you know, before the minor leaguers are actually playing any meaningful games. So, you know, what do they do with these minor leaguers who aren't going to see action in Major League camp? I mean, they can go kind of informally work out, but, you know, the minor league schedule being so offset. And by the way, the minor league schedule didn't change this year. They, they did get rid of step camp, but the minor league schedule is what it always is. The, the challenge is that the major league schedule moved up into February to give MLB players more off days during the regular season. You can hear Brian Walden every Wednesday on my website, scoopswithdannymack.com. He does a great job informing fans about the stars of tomorrow. Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch is with me Monday through Friday on ScoopsWithDannyMac.com. The beat writer from the Post-Dispatch, and he caught up with Marcel Ozuna when the Cardinals faced the Braves last week. Why didn't Ozuna come back to the Cardinals? I asked him, I said, would you have come back on a one-year deal with the Cardinals? He said, yes, if the money was right, but it wasn't. Do you wish you would have taken the qualifying offer? And he said, if I known knew then what I know now I would have taken the qualifying offer still remains close to some players and you know they did circle back to the Cardinals to see if they would match the Braves offer or at least do something in that neighborhood and you know the Cardinals just as we kind of talked about all along and stayed on the periphery and they didn't engage when it came down to it um, they valued the draft pick ahead of uh, ahead of the, the salary at that point so to an extent St. Louis is banking on Carlson O'Neill Thomas to emerge coming up we'll get into the newest class of the Cardinals Hall of Fame that you can now vote on and Brian Finch of the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum will be my guest you're listening to the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN this is Tommy Edmund the 2-2 Edmund with a drive, and 
are listening to the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals will welcome a new class into the Cardinals Hall of Fame coming up in 2020. The nominees are Steve Carlton, Keith Hernandez, Tom Herr, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, Lee Smith, and John Tudor. More on them in a moment. Welcome back to the Redbird Report. The day is one that has now become can't miss if you're a Cardinals fan. The first class included the great Willie McGee. And you never know what may come out of the mouth from an inductee. Thank you all for coming here today. And I want to thank the DeWitt family and the, uh, all the other ownership for making this a great organization from the time I was here in 1982 till now. And just, just want to thank everybody for the opportunity to, oh Jesus, this is, this is good. I wish I had a bat in my hand. <laughs> but anyway, I, I love you all so. And I, <laughs> I want to thank the fans for feeling, work, feeling that I'm worthy of being you know, a Hall of Famer, Cardinal Hall of Famer. And I also want to thank the ownership again for, oh, Jesus. <laughs> he is the absolute best, and speeches can be tough. That was the great Willie McGee. On this ballot, there is Keith Hernandez. He was on the show last week. I asked him what it would mean to go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. It would mean everything to me. And I think all the Cardinal fans that were around and know me uh, back when I was coming up and playing like playing there and playing against them, they don't know that I was a Cardinal fan as a kid. And it was a dream come true for me just to put the Cardinal uniform on in the minor leagues and then also to play on a big league level uh, for eight years, eight and a half years there and bring a world championship back since the first one since 67 with those great 60s Cardinals. Um, it would mean uh, so much for me and my, my brother, my parents aren't alive. It would mean a whole lot to them. I know that, but my, my brother, uh, we, we all both grew up together, uh, Cardinal fans, and Gary saw me play a lot in the Cardinal uniform, and it would just be a very, very, very proud moment. It's up to the fans, and we'll see where it goes. This year's candidates are as follows. Steve Carlton, after reaching the big leagues as a 20-year-old, lefty became a three-time All-Star during his seven seasons in St. Louis. Keith Hernandez played 10 seasons with the Cardinals, winning six straight gold gloves. He was a National League co-MVP and also led the league with a 344 average. There's Tommy Herr making his debut the same night. Lou Brock clubbed, hit number 3,000. Tom Herr made his mark on one of the most popular eras of Cardinals baseball. Matt Morris, a first-round pick, he made his Major League debut less than two years after being taken 12th overall in 1995. Edgar Renteria played six seasons with the Cardinals and was a National League All-Star three different times. Lee Smith, known as one of the most feared closers in baseball history, 43 saves in three of his four seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals. John Tudor, during his five seasons in a Cardinals uniform, he had a 7.05 winning percentage and a 2.52 ERA over 125 starts. The man who runs the Cardinals Hall of Fame and Museum is Brian Finch, and voting began yesterday on Cardinals.com. This is always an exciting time for the organization 
and the fans in 2020. You know, it's always an exciting time to talk about the Cardinals Hall of Fame vote. And once again, we've got great candidates to look at and vote on. And the fans have a tough decision this year. We've got seven candidates on the ballot. Uh, those candidates this year are Steve Carlton, Keith Hernandez, Tom Herr, Matt Morris, Edgar Renteria, Lee Smith, and John Tudor. And of course, the top two vote getters will be inducted later this year into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Um, but let's talk about those candidates. We've got a, a great representation of several different really generations of uh, Cardinals baseball here. And when you come up with that list, maybe describe to fans how that list comes about. Absolutely. The Cardinals convene a panel, uh, what we call a Red Ribbon Committee, uh, once a year. And this panel is made up of 15 members. Twelve of those members are what we consider veteran media members here in town and throughout the region. So it's uh, some of our beat writers, Rick Hummel, Derek Gould, um, Ann Rogers of MLB.com is our Cardinals writer, um, Benjamin Hockman from the Post-Dispatch, and several of our sports directors around town, Martin Kilcoin, Frank Cusimano, um, and even you know some of the folks with uh, 101 ESPN, Bernie Nicholas and Randy Carricker, and there are others. We've also got three Hall of Famers on that committee, our uh, Hall of Fame managers right now. So Whitey Herzog, Tony LaRussa, and Joe Torrey uh, is a new member this year on that committee. And that committee uh, comes together and discusses uh, two things. They have the privilege of electing one veteran player, a player that's retired more than 40 years ago, that played for the Cardinals for at least three seasons. And then they put together this ballot that we're talking about right now of players that played for the Cardinals for at least three years and have been retired for at least three seasons. And so they will um, discuss these players and then do a, a secret ballot. And then we tabulate the, the results of that ballot, and um, and here we are. So the top two vote-getters in an online fan vote at cardinals.com slash HOF will be the two modern inductees into the Hall of Fame this year. And so we've got these great names for fans to consider. And really, you could build a franchise uh, based around any of these players. Um, this year, we've got some great pitchers. The the player who is new to the ballot this year that's never been on the, the fan ballot before is Tommy Herr course was part of the 1982 world championship team uh and the national league pennant winners in 85 and 87 and of course uh many people remember him for his home run with the um seat cushion night so um it'll be a lot of fun to see how he does on the ballot and um another player who is part of that 82 world championship keith hernandez the co-mvp in 1979 and really changed how the position of first base was played from a defensive perspective um a few other pitchers we've got on the ballot this year uh, John Tudor, who had the great year in 1985. He was the runner-up to the National League Cy Young Award. And uh, we think about Matt Morris as well. Uh, kind of an underrated star, but had a 101 wins. He was the ace of those um, those years back in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and set that trend for us as an organization to uh, get back to the World Series in 2004. And um, and then when you think of the the end of your bullpen, Lee Smith, that dominant closer who for years was the franchise's saves leader um, until Jason Isringhausen came along. But uh, he had some fantastic years and in 1991 set the National League record with 47 saves. And uh, that was a, 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 you know, a franchise record as well. Another pitcher on this ballot, Steve Carlton, he's kind of been on the ballot, off the ballot, on again. Uh, 77 wins as a Cardinal before he was traded away. And a lot of fans think about him as, you know, for what he did with the Phillies, but uh, had some great years here with the Cardinals as well. 
Um, won 14 games as a starting pitcher for the team in 1967 as they, uh, you know, would go on to win the World Series. And then one other player, Edgar Renteria, a uh, great shortstop for us from 1999 through 2004. And Tony La Russa has made the point of saying that he really was sort of that missing piece of the puzzle uh, to help get us, you know, into all those playoff runs, you know, Silver Slugger, Gold Glove Award winner, and uh, multi-time All-Star. So tough choice for our fans. They uh, get to vote on two, and um, that's why we trust our fans. We we call them the best in baseball, and this is an opportunity for them to put their uh, skills to the test and uh, put two more players into our Cardinals Hall of Fame. And, Brian, the thing I love about it is the debate with the fans. I mean, it's it's fun, It's and it's fun to go back and look at what these guys meant to – uh, franchise history, which is something I see on Twitter all the time or Facebook, fans going back and kind of educating each other on what these particular players meant to that era or particular teams in Cardinals history. Absolutely. You said it so well. And every one of these players um, was so meaningful to their era and to their specific teams uh, in critical ways. And they had winning moments on the field. And I'm sure they had, you know, big moments off the field in the clubhouse and the dugout and how they led their teams. And so, um, you know, every one of these players arguably deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And that's why it makes this debate so interesting, um, so intriguing. And it's one that we're very excited to see play out through the voting process. Uh, and again, you can do that at cardinals.com slash HOF. How many times can you vote and when will voting close? You can vote at least once daily. Uh, voting will continue through April 17th, and then we will announce the vote in an official uh, show on Friday, May 8th at 6 p.m. It's a special 30-minute uh, televised broadcast on Fox Sports Midwest, and then there will also be a pregame ceremony that evening uh, at the game. And uh, again, that's Friday, May 8th at 6 o'clock on Fox Sports Midwest. But again, go to cardinals.com slash HOF to um, submit your votes. And really, you know, it's an opportunity for fans to make their mark on Cardinals history uh, by voting for the 2020 Cardinals Hall of Fame class. And a final question would be with the non-fan vote. When will you make the announcement with that? And can you give us any insight into that direction of where the organization may be leaning? So for that... um, there's a veterans vote, you know, the, what we talked about with the Red Ribbon Committee, that will also be announced on Friday, May 8th. We've, you know, announced the entire class together. And there is an additional opportunity for the organization to select um, another, you know, um, inductee each year, someone who has not been in the uniform, per se, as a coach or broadcaster. And that's up to our ownership. Um, at this point, I haven't been given any word as to whether or not our ownership will include um, a fourth inductee this year, but that's something that would be announced on that Friday, May 8th um, announcement show. So a lot of excitement coming up though this year, and it's going to be a great class anyway we uh, announce it. And there's so many great players in Cardinals history. You know, we've only done this a handful of years. The Hall of Fame, even though we've had the museum for a number of years now, our Hall of Fame just goes back to 2014. And you can see with these seven candidates here, um, we've got such a backlog of quality players. So Uh, It makes for a compelling conversation. Absolutely. Hey, Brian, thanks so much. You do an incredible job with the Hall of Fame and the museum. And uh, before you know it, opening day will be here. We'll have our Hall of Fame show, and it's always a lot of fun working with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Tim McCarver was inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame a few years ago. He's back for another season on Fox Sports Midwest, one of the great storytellers ever in the game. His induction speech 
was one that you don't forget as he remembered those great teams from the 1960s. In his seasons in St. Louis, he was named to two all-star teams, finished second in the MVP in 1967. Please welcome a two-time World Series champ. Please stand, Tim McCarver. Boy, were those teams special. Those teams of the 60s, if you were lucky enough to have seen them play, we were really good. I mean, really good. I mean, you run out of superlatives when you talk about the men who have, with integrity, intelligence, and gritty determination, represented those remarkable teams. Kenny Boyer, our captain. Bill White who would eventually become the National League president. Dick Grote, the Duke All-American in basketball. Kurt Flood. Who took the first step toward free agency in the trade that Coincidentally, I was involved in after the 1969 season. And I've said this on many occasions, the guy that made our team click in 67 and 68 was Mike Shannon when he moved to third base from right field. If that doesn't happen, we don't win. Julian Javier, who to this day I don't think he was ever taken out in a double play, ever. <laughs> the irrepressible Lou Brock. Lou, Lou, Lou. The incomparable number 45, Bob Gibson. The MVP that year, Orlando Cepeda, and I'll tell you how important, I'll tell you how important Orlando Cepeda was. Bob Gibson was starting at Shea Stadium in New York one evening. The bus was supposed to leave at five o'clock. Red said, the manager was seated in the first seat, as always, and Red said, Bussy, let's go. And Bob said, wait a minute. Is Orlando on the bus? And we all looked around, and we couldn't find him. And Bob said, this bus isn't leaving without Cepeda. <laughs> it's your encouragement and support that makes us continue to want to come back for more and more and more. Thank you. That's Tim McCarver. We'll get into the current Cardinals team, the Houston Astros scandal, and Ted Simmons, who is headed to Cooperstown. We'll do that in our next segment. Again, voting for the Cardinals Hall of Fame is open at cardinals.com. 
Tim McCarver coming up next on the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. And one of the subjects we dive into, should his former teammate, Kurt Flood, be in baseball's Hall of Fame? It's a fascinating, interesting case. And I think eventually Kurt Flood will go into the Hall of Fame. I I could be wrong, but I think he will with what uh, he's given to the game. And it was nice to see Garrett Cole when he signed that that huge contract with the New York Yankees, giving Kurt Flood credit for what he did for, for the players. And believe me, it was awesome. I mean, awesome what he did for the players. That's Tim McCarver. He's next on the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. More baseball talk. We're back now to the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. Dan McLaughlin of Fox Sports Midwest back with you. A reminder that we have Cardinals baseball tomorrow at noon on Fox Sports Midwest. The Cardinals will take on the Houston Astros. The Cardinals Hall of Fame, an incredible experience. A man that has been honored with that red jacket is Cardinals Hall of Famer Tim McCarver. In 1964, he helped propel the Redbirds to the World Series title. Three balls, two strikes. McCarver the batter. There's the stretch by Mickelson. Here's the pitch. There goes Grote. There's a drive way back. It might be out of here. It could be. It is a home run. McCarver's first World Series home run. And the Cardinals' third home run of the series. Tim always knew that broadcasting may be a part of his life. And in 1980, the Phillies let Tim be a part of the team in uniform and do some broadcasting as well. This is Tim McCarver. This fall, go to the head of the class with Gabe Kaplan and John Travolta. Welcome back, Cotter, this fall on Channel 17, where it's one hit after another. He graduated from doing Welcome Back Cotter promos to becoming the lead analyst for many years on the Game of the Week and the World Series. He's been one of the best ever in this capacity. Case in point, when he predicted Luis Gonzalez winning the World Series for the Diamondbacks in 2001. One problem is Rivera throws inside the left-handers, and left-handers get a lot of broken bad hits in the shallow outfield the shallow part of the outfield. That's the danger in bringing the infield in with a guy like Rivera on the mound. Florida, center field, the Diamondbacks are world champions. Unreal, he called it, and has taught generations of fans about the game of baseball and how to think about the game and how to look at it. Tim McCarver, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. Spring training, how much fun is this time of year for you? Well, it's it's fun for me. It's a lot more fun than it, than it uh, used to be when my <laughs> when my mantra was uh, warming up pitchers and and doing that for a lot of years and and having that saying of uh, uh, don't let this guy take my job uh, all the time. I mean, and that was in quotes. That was the mantra that you live by in spring training. Absolutely. And, yeah, and uh, there were always guys uh, ready, to, waiting to take your job. And this year is no different for the Cardinals, and they've got a plethora of young players <laughs> that uh, that are capable. Of the, the outfield position alone, left left center right, you you pick it. Um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. A guy guy like Colton Wong, he's safe, uh, but. You know, there are other guys who aren't safe, and that's the fun of spring training and the fun of, uh, of opening day and getting guys prepared for 
for the tough season ahead. What do you think the Cardinals have to do to repeat this year as Central Division champs? What What's the, the thing that you see that they really need to improve upon going into 2020? I don't know, know about improve upon, but I think Mike Schilt is manager of the year uh, uh, last year. Is The reason he was manager of the year was because of the way he used his bullpen. And I think if he continues to use his bullpen and gets the success out of the bullpen that he had last year, uh, uh, he's going to, he's got a shot at winning another. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and even, even though the Cardinals right now, when you think about it, you don't have a solid closer. I mean, is it going to be Carlos Martinez? Could be one of any, um, you know, where, where's Jordan Hicks fit, fit into that, uh, into that deal. Sure. There's so many, so many questions now with the Cardinals. We'll, just have to wait and see. We were talking the other day about Yadier Molina and his dur- oh. his durability, longevity in the game, catching <clears throat> countless bullpens right now. You know, being a former catcher, what aspect of his game do you do you like to watch on a nightly basis? So you're a former catcher, you know the job. You're watching a great player. What stands out? What do you like to watch about him? I, I can't believe that the consistency of his throwing arm has remained the same. I mean, uh, to me, arm strength is the one thing that you really have to worry about when you're a catcher and your movement of your feet. Are you, are you, uh, are you, is your footwork uh, as quick as it was? Is it as fluid as it, as it used to be? And Molina really has less footwork because his arm is so strong. Uh, he can throw from a squatting position. He can throw from his knees. Uh, he's just a remarkable uh, catcher. And the more he piles on the games, uh, the more of a lock he is for the Hall of Fame. Remember, you asked me that about six years ago uh, during our, uh, during our uh, time I'm talking about Molina. And at that time, I didn't think Molina was a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame. I've changed my mind on that. I think he's a shoe-in right now, uh, Danny. And it's just a pleasure to see a guy go behind the plate and, and, and love to work and love to work with his pitchers as much as Molina does. When you watch, uh, watch the game in general, and I know you watch a ton of baseball every single night, for a guy that is in Cooperstown as a broadcaster, former great player, who's somebody now in 2020, whether it's with the Cardinals or anybody in baseball, Tim McCarver will stop what he's doing and says, "Hold on, I got to watch this guy." Uh, I don't know. That's it, that, Joey Votto. I think really I mean, every every at bat by Joey Votto to me is uh, is is a work of art. Yeah, I mean Votto is a guy who will take the walk. He doesn't swing at balls, and and that's another reason. At, uh, at the Cincinnati Reds, in my mind, are the team to beat in the National League Central. Uh, they've improved their pitching. Their defense is superb. They've signed two new free agents, Mike Moustakas uh, and Nick uh, Castellano. Uh, they've got Suarez at third, who had 50 home runs last year. Uh, they're a tough team, a real tough team, and they become, uh, they become the favorite, in my view, uh, in the central, uh, this year, but yeah, I love to watch Joey Votto hit the Houston Astros cheating scandal. One that's not going away. First of all, what has been your reaction to everything that's come out with that? 
that's a tough that's a tough tough question it's uh uh it's going to remain tough it's going to it's going to be it's going to remain tough to answer i mean the houston astros or any um, uh, major league team they've never been in this position before um i mean do you do you shamefully have opening day (laughs) correct that's what it's gotten gotten down to I mean, uh, they're going to be. What kind of reaction do the, does the Houston crowd uh, have? Uh, I, I really don't know because there's been no precedent set uh, for any team that's that's cheated like the Astros have, and and the way they've gone about it. Uh, it seems like every press conference they have, they get about six inches in deeper. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know it's 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 a shame that that uh, when you mention the Houston Astros, people just shake their heads. And how many times the teams go into uh, in the major league seasons, and that's the feeling, particularly teams that have won and have uh, been the standard bearer of of uh, quality players. Uh, it's it's I, I don't know how the crowd's going to react, and I think we're going to find out after the first month or so. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I was talking with Keith Hernandez the other day, our good friend, and um, I said, you know, how would our you? Fun, our fun friend. Yes, he is. <laughs> He's he, uh... a lot of fun. Oh man, is he ever! But he and, and the thing I love about him, and we talk about it all the time, Tim. He's he's opinionated. He does a great job on the air. So I was asking him about this, and. I'm trying to figure out where Major League Baseball goes with this. You know, what do you do to make sure now you curtail it and 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 you don't have it in the game? And his point was, look, you've got six hours to look at video and iPads and and do those things. He said, once the game starts, he said, I would have everything shut down. There is no way a player could go look at video. And maybe that's the direction we have to go. I don't know. Hmm. That's an, that's an interesting take as Keith's takes usually are um i i I don't know i don't know the answer to that yeah i think it's a step-by-step uh look at at baseball i mean what is uh what does the commissioner do uh and keep in mind that everything the commissioner does is going to have to be uh is going to have to go through the players association uh i'm surprised that they've had the the type of um uh, cohesion that they've had uh, this year because the Players Association can be very, very tough as they've proven to be uh, in, in in the past. Now, uh, Co- go ahead, Dan. Well, Cooperstown, I'm going to get into a little bit about where you're going with the Players Association, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this because um, we have limited time with you, Tim. So Cooperstown <laughs> will have a St. Louis flavor to it this summer. Larry Walker going in, so is Ted Simmons. It's been a long wait for Simba. I'm sure you're happy to see uh, uh, Teddy get in. I just uh, love the fact that he was that he was voted in, and to see him how happy he is uh, walking around in uh, rarefied air, he really is, and uh, certainly uh, deserving. And Larry Walker, what can you say about him? What couldn't he do on the baseball field? Uh, <laughs> nothing. I mean, uh, there was nothing beyond. Uh, what Larry Walker, how he played the game, uh, his uh, the way he approached the game from a mental standpoint, always, um, uh, always ready defensively. One of the great defensive outfielders I've ever seen. 
uh, you know, uh, Will, Willie Mays type uh, outfielder who can take the game to himself on a daily basis and, and perform. It's just wonderful to see those two ex-Cardinals go in. You know, it's it's pretty cool, too. We've talked about it a lot. Marvin Miller, the former head of the Players Association, uh, going in, and that is long overdue for, for Major League Baseball, in my opinion. I'm sure you probably agree. I, I remember, and I've told you this, Dan, that uh, Marvin Miller in, 19, in the 1970s, he said that by the 1990s, the owners would triple their money. Not the players, but the owners. And he was wrong. They quadrupled their money <laughs> in the 90s. So uh, uh, Marvin Miller, long, long overdue. I was there uh, in, in the 60s when Marvin Miller uh, received the first round. He received two votes to go on as, as the head of the Players Association. Uh, and then three or four years later, Kurt Flood elected not to go to Philadelphia, a trade that I was involved in. And uh, Kurt Flood uh, took it all the way to the Supreme Court, the first stage of uh, free agency. And Marvin Miller came in and just did a whale of a job over the next uh, two and a half decades. You know, this year, I'll wrap it up with this. This year marks the 50th anniversary of Kurt Flood challenging uh, baseball's reserve system. Of course, that helped create free agency, change the game and sports in general. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. and, and when you look at that, there's lawmakers now that are trying to get him into Cooperstown. That's just a groundswell has kind of started with certain lawmakers in Missouri and St. Louis. But, um, and I think a lot of people are going to get behind this and certainly former players. And in this case, your former teammate, Kurt Flood should be in the hall of fame, both for what he did on the field and, and obviously what he's done, uh, to change the game with challenging the reserve clause. Yeah, that's the most important thing, I think, uh, what he did with the reserve clause. But he was a heck of a player for 14 years. And had he played with the Philadelphia Phillies instead of challenging the reserve clause, he would have been very close to going into the Hall of Fame as a player. It's a, it's a fascinating, interesting case. And I think eventually Kurt Flood will go in the, into the Hall of Fame. I, I could be wrong, but... I think he will with what uh, he's given to the game. And it was nice to see Garrett Cole when he signed that, uh, that huge contract with the New York Yankees, giving Kurt Flood credit for what he did for, for the players. And believe me, it was awesome. I mean, awesome what he did for the players. Can't say thank you enough, Tim. Soon enough, we'll be side by side and you'll be ripping me and I'll be ripping you and we'll be doing it through the summer. It'll be fun. Yeah. yeah. Get ready, big boy, as Mike Shannon would say. <laughs> You're the best, Tim. Thanks so much. All right, Danny. You're welcome. Coming up, we visit with Rick Ann Keel. He's in camp as a coach and as an analyst on Fox Sports Midwest. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. talk you know and love this is the redbird report on 101 espn the redbird report on 101 espn continues and if there's a guy that has done it all in the game of baseball it is rick and keel he could hit he could play the outfield he could pitch the mental side of the game and he's rejoined the cardinals in a capacity in spring training where he's in uniform at times but also in the broadcast booth and he'll be a part of 
the coverage this summer once again on Fox Sports Midwest. Rick, always good to visit with you. How are things? Things are really well. Thank you. It's nice to visit with you also. Tell me about uh, being back in uniform, putting on the Cardinal uniform, and not doing it in, in fantasy camp, but having a role with the team. What has this been like for you? It's been absolutely great. You know, I feel like, the, you know, the game is changing. And it's one thing to watch it from the booth, <clears throat> but it's a completely different thing to get down there close to it and see, you know, how these guys are going about it, how it's changed a little bit, how they're using the analytics, uh, what they're trying to do, how they're trying to execute. Um, it's been pretty neat. And, and I got to say, I'm a big fan of some of the analytics stuff that um, that they're doing. It just seems like you know, one thing in, uh, for example, you know, when you're going really well, you know, they have the ability now to kind of measure where you are um, as far as your swing path and your posture and all these things. So when you get out of whack, you know, you can jump back in there, go look at those measurements, see if something's moved. Uh, I think it's a really neat way to just have maintenance for your swing and be able to go back and check that instead of wondering or guessing now, because, you know, everything is, is measurable. Try, try to explain it to a fan. How do they do that? Is it something on their chest? Is it on the knob of the bat? How, how are they able to do that for a hitter? Yeah, so um, they have blast motion, which is a, you know, a little piece that goes on the end of the bat. Um, and then they have something that's called a K-vest. And then along with that, there's a little piece that goes around your wrist. So um, they take that while you're working through your swing and whether you're doing T-work or some front toss. Um, and they're able to measure everything, you know, just it's it's really neat. I, I you know, I just remember back when I was a player and, and stretches where I had really hot stretches and I felt like I was seeing the ball unbelievable, um, you know, just had an unbelievable week. And then, you know, the next week comes and, and all of a sudden you're just not seeing it as well. And it's hard to get back. And, you know, for a hitter, you're using all your keys and your load and things that I thought I was doing exactly the week before, but it just didn't. It just wasn't the same. I wasn't able to see the ball. And I look at it and think, man, you know, this is something that really could have helped because, you know, you're able to see maybe your bat angle got a little bit off and how you were coming into the zone with the bat. Uh, and to be able to go back and look at something like that, I think, you know, instead of going 0 for 30 or having a bad stretch like that, you might be able to correct it a lot faster. Sure. How about Mike Schild? What, what's been your impression of being around Mike and, and his staff and and it's a big camp, you know, you got over 70 guys. So how he's run the camp and just being around him day to day and the staff, what are your impressions? I've been amazed. I feel like their attention to detail, um, the way they go about it. Um, you know, it's a different scene as far as when I came up and you were a young guy, you were to be seen and not heard, you know, but nobody really wanted your opinion. You weren't allowed to talk. Um, I think what Mike Schilt and the staff has created um, is that the young guys are allowed to talk and they're allowed to have opinions and they talk about plays and what positions they should be in. And I feel like it gives those young guys uh, ownership of it and allows them also to feel like they're a part of the team. And for me, that's a big deal. Cause once again, I look back at my career when I was young and, and how, how it was, you weren't allowed to talk or have an opinion. Um, and he listens to those guys. So I, I, I think he's amazing. I think I would have been, I think I would have flourished as a player under what he's created. And it's just neat to be a part of it and, and see how the Cardinals are going about it. I hear from the players all the time. They love ball talk. They love it. It's there every day. It's, it's exposing the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, but everybody gets it out there and they talk the game of baseball, which is something I think that 
you know, at fantasy camp, you know, you, you'd always hear those guys from the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. They say, well, after a game, we'd stick around, have a couple beers and talk about what happened in the game, break it down. That doesn't happen anymore. So this is kind of bringing that back in just a different version of it, which I think is good. There's no doubt. Um, for me, Daryl Kyle, when I came up, he was that guy who took me under his wing. And no matter what kind of start he had, good or bad, he would watch my start <clears throat> pitch by pitch. And then the next day we would talk about it. Hey, why did you do that? Why did you do that in that situation? Were you thinking this? What were you trying to do? This is what, you, you know, this is what the hitter was trying to do. And I learned so much that way. Um, and you're exactly right because that's what they're doing. Now they're, the whole team is talking about it and you're able to hear what Goldsmith thought about it and what Carpenter thought about it. Molina thought about it. Right. And all these little nuggets um, of information that you can pick up as a young player uh, is unbelievable. I, I mean, it's the, it's the best baseball meeting that I've ever seen. Is that right? And they were doing that daily too. I mean, that's, that's something that's going on every single day, which is something I think the players appreciate. I agree because I look at it from this from I think there's a lot of ways to look at this. But from a, another standpoint, you know, sometimes as a player, if you go out and you make an error and, it, you, you know, you make a bad play and you, you just kind of lose your confidence a little bit. You're not feeling it. Well, let's say I'm in the outfield and I drop a ball um, and I'm not seeing it that well out there. And all of a sudden you're kind of looking around, you know, is everybody mad at me? Did it cost the game? And the next day, if we're able to sit down and talk about it collectively as a team. Uh, you're just able to get it out there. And I feel like that can just help you get past it and get you back on track. Everybody understands. Um, but it, I, I think just from all ways, um, it, it's it's a very positive thing. We all had a, a Ricky and Keel, Chris Carpenter, myself. We were in a hallway uh, in, in a couple of days ago, I guess it was, in, in um, at Roger Dean. And both you guys, something stuck out in that conversation. You, you guys, man, this team's got so much stinking young talent. There is a lot of young talent coming. We may not see it in the big leagues this year, Rick, but you're you're down there, you're roaming the fields. There is some good young talent, both pitching and from player position wise, isn't there? Uh, it's unbelievable the depth we have, and they're hungry. And I and I feel like the culture that that we have created, that they have created, um, is just you know it allows these guys to get there and be successful because of the way things are ran, but you're exactly right. I mean, look at how big and strong these guys are. And you're looking at the information that they're getting. Uh, one thing that's been um, interesting to me too, is there is so much information out there, whether it's on the hitting side or the pitching side. Um, but it seems like the younger guys are used to getting that much information and you can watch them go use it and implement it into their game to make them better and not get overwhelmed by it. It, that's the next thing. Is there too much or is there a guy there that's able to kind of help them? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's Carp. Maybe it's somebody else that says, okay, here's what the information is saying. I understand it. Looks like it's a, you know, 12-chapter book. But here, let's break it down, and this is what we can do for you to simplify it. How, how are they doing that? I, you know, I think they're smart about it, and they're asking the guys, do you want this information? It's here if you want it. We're not going to force it on you. And so the guys that do want it, um, you know, they get it. And the guys that want to keep it a little bit more simple, they keep it simple for them. And I, and I think, you know, that's important, too. You want to understand what each, how each guy learns and how each guy wants to go about it. And they do a, just a great job of that. As you're figuring out your role, are you leaning more towards the pitching side or the hitting side or the fielding side? You can do it all. So what do you, what do you like? That's a great question. Um, you know what? I like I like it all. Um, I really do. And I, I think with all of it comes the mental side of the thing. And, I, and for me, I think having spent so much time with my mentor, Harvey Dorfman, um, who really helped me through all the throwing issues and, and um, you know, taught me, you know, positive self-talk and how to coach myself in situations um, how to not pay attention to the distractions. 
um, for me, it all kind of coincides. I, I mean, I love helping guys with, with the outfield. I love helping with the hitting. I love helping with the pitching. Um, but I like helping with the mental side of things too. Like, what were you thinking right there? You know, what, how did you handle that? It's not what, you know, a big one for me, it's not what happens to you out there, but how you respond to it. And that's sure. mentally, physically, you know, how you get into the next play. So um, it, it's been a neat experience all the way around. In terms of what you've seen on the field, who who has caught your attention of anybody pitching, hitting, you know, what they're doing on the field? Who's caught your attention? I mean, I think this is an easy one, but Dylan Carlson. Yeah. Um, you know, our prospects, you go Nolan Gorman too, but watching Dylan Carlson, um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. The first day I watched him in the cage is right. The way he stays through the ball, he stays through it so long. It reminded me of Mark McGuire. I'm not saying it's Mark McGuire power because that's, he's an outlier, right? But um, the way that his bat path gets into the zone and stays through it so long, it it reminded me of Mark. It made me start laughing. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a kid that can hit from both sides. He seems really grounded. He's young, but he understands how good he is. Uh, he's been really, really fun to watch. How about pitching-wise? Uh, there's a lot of young talent. I've been talking about Cody Whitley, Johan Oviedo, obviously Matthew Libitor. Um, looks pretty good, even though he got roughed up in an outing, but... The, the, the talent on the pitching side, who's caught your attention there? For me, I mean, Libertor obviously stands out. Look, he's a high school kid. He's left-handed, <clears throat> you know, big, good curveball, throws hard. I mean, kind of reminds me of me when I was young. Um, love watching him pitch. Oviedo, I love I love the stuff that I've seen from him. Um, it seems like it's just it's the amount of talent we have down there. It just seems like it's not stopping. And these guys, they really seem like they're feeding off of each other. Um, I, one thing that I, I thought was a – was really good is uh, when I've been in the dugout is the amount of baseball these guys are talking, right? They're not in there talking about something else. They're all watching whether they're next to Wainwright or next to me or next to, you know, whoever's in there, but they're all talking baseball, trying to learn. And that is how you get better. What are you going to do this summer outside of working with uh, knuckleheads at Fox sports Midwest, like me? Um, what else are you going to be doing? What's going to keep you busy and keep you around the game? Well, I have, my, I have my kids that keep me around the game, just coaching them. They're seven and nine, but um, I'm hoping here that I can do some stuff with ESPN, uh, maybe on the radio side and then, and then see if I can get some stuff, just pop in over here at Palm beach and help these guys um, as much as possible. I live down here in, in Jupiter. So to pop over this complex is, you know, pretty, pretty easy for me. So we'll have our A-ball team and extended, um, you know, and the rehab guys. So I'm hoping that, you know, they'll allow me to pop down here and just, you know, be around and help these guys be a soundboard and, you know, advice for anything that they're going through. You know, is this, is this the path you think you've, you've kind of figured out? I know you love to stay busy. I know you love to work. You love to be around the game. Um, is this kind of helping you figure out exactly maybe what you want to do going forward? I think so. Um, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, related to playing. It's about finding your routine. Um, you nailed it when you said staying busy. For me, I, I love the routine. I love being busy. Um, something to look forward to every day. And, and you know, as this role, um, as being a former player and now being someone that's helping the younger players, uh, it's pretty gratifying to know that you can just be there for them as, the, as a mentor and, you know, hey, you're going to be fine or stay right there. Everything's good. Um, whatever it may be, but it is, it is, um, it, it feels good to give back. You're the best, my man. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll catch up at the ballpark soon. Sounds good. That's Rick Ann Keel, and this has been the Redbird Report. Remember, I have three daily reports every day on 101 ESPN. A call in every Monday with Bernie Miklas, Anthony Stalter on Wednesday, the fast lane on Friday. Thanks for joining us on 101 ESPN.